Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. George Hunter, and I'm here with the king of the jazz swingers, Paddy Cole, in Gleason's of Town, one of his favourite morning coffee locations, to chat about his reach in the 80 plus one years and his long career in the sometimes crazy entertainment business. I'm sure he'll tell us a few interesting stories. Tell me, Paddy, where did it all start? Well, it all started for me, George, in Castleblaney in County Monaghan. And my father was a sax player in an orchestra at the time, sitting down, reading music, playing for dinner dances and things like that. Uh, long uh, ones, I might add, long uh, gigs, maybe for six, seven hours a night. But um, then he, t he started me on the sax. Um, I was only about 10 year old or something like that and uh, when I came home from school he had a tutor laid out there and I had to practice and at that stage I didn't really like it because uh, I, I could hear all the lads outside playing football on the street and I would have preferred to be with them but then having listened to a lot of my father's recordings on the old wind-up gramophone and the uh, big band, the American big band, jazz bands, I developed a real love for the music and uh, I enjoyed playing it and then I suppose the start off then was there was a concert in the Lyric Theatre in Casablaney with Morris Lynch's band and they asked me to go on and play a solo and uh, I went and said I would do the solo and uh, on the night I stood up to play the solo which was a piece of music called Song of Songs and uh, I froze when I stood up and the band played on and my father who was sitting beside me, he came in and played the piece and got me started and then I played right through. But that was, I was only 12 at that time. And uh, then during school holidays, I used to play with Morris's band, do a few gigs. Actually, when I was 14 or 15, I remember we used to go to Scotland on tours with Morris's band and do from the north of Scotland right down, played Glasgow, the Gorbals, rough places. But then, um, it was a great grounding in music for me. And then I joined Morris's band full-time for a few years. And then I got a call to say that a band called the Capital Show Band they were all uh, students and they were starting to go professional. And they wanted me to join as the Saxon Clarna player. This was the first hand-picked band. At that time, if a band came for, we'll say came from Longford, all the members were from Longford, but this, had two fellows from Donegal, two from Cork, uh, two from Dublin, and uh, one from, uh, myself from Monaghan, sorry. And they, they, they were, that was the force of the hand-picked bands. And the band was a great success straight away, became very successful, uh, culminating in 1965 when we did the most prestigious gig going at that time was Sunday night at the London Palladium and 30 million people used to watch that show every Sunday night and we did it and it was very funny we were behind the screen waiting to the screen to go up to do it and Bram McCarthy was a trumpet player a brilliant musician and uh, Bram was fed up Norman Vaughan the guy that used to do the ad for Roses Grow On You 
he was the MC and he started making jokes about oh, we have a crowd of Irish fellas back here and we've been parading them around the outside to sober them up before they come out. And Bram didn't take too kindly to that. And Bram said, if that screen doesn't go up straight away, I'm leaving. I nearly got a heart attack because I said, how am I going to cover everything on the baritone sax on my own? But anyway, we did it and it was wonderful and great. We, we were offered six months residency in the London Palladium after that. And believe it or not, we had to turn it down because we had so many commitments at home. And uh, I wasn't married at that stage, but uh, I was just about to get married. But a lot of the guys didn't want to be away from home and things like that. And uh, we turned down the six months at the London Palladium because we were booked up six, seven nights a week at home at the time. The show bank trails had really hit and eventually there were over 600 show bands on the road, all working four and five and six nights a week at the time. Everybody was dancing at the time. Paddy, that's a great story, yeah. 1965 was probably the greatest, the most memorable year, and that was the year you met your soulmate, Helen. Yeah, well, in actual fact, I'd met her a couple of years before that, and we got married in 1965. And uh, I better make sure I have that date right or I'll be killed when I go home. But uh, no, I met Helen a couple of years before that. She was in college in Dublin and I met her and I had a hard neck at the time. Johnny Kelly, the drummer, was driving me down uh, the Lear seat one day and I said, there's that girl that I was talking to the other night. Pull up. And I pulled up and went over and uh, I asked her, would she come to the eggs dance with me the following Wednesday? And she said she would. And uh, as the saying goes, the rest is history. We're married now, oh, very happily married, I'm delighted to say. And we had three children, uh, Pierce, Pat and Karen. And now we have nine grandchildren. Lovely, so, lovely, lovely. lovely. Yeah. In 1971, Paddy, you headed off to Las Vegas, Nevada, the entertainment capital of the world. What brought you out there? Well, I got a phone call from T.J. Bourne, who was managing the Royal Show Band, and he said, Brendan Boyer and Tom Dunphy are leaving the Royal Show Band and they're forming a band of their own, and they want to know, would you join as band leader? And uh, that subsequently was called the Big Eight Show Band. And uh, at that stage, the capital is supposed to be truthful about it was at the end of its tether. There was only Bram McCarthy and myself left there playing away and a crowd of young guys, all good musicians, but it didn't really mean as much as it used to. So it was a no-brainer that straight away I said yes, and I had to handpick the people for the band as well. And it was a great band, musically and everything was a great band. And the Royal Show Band, I have to give the credit, they had ploughed the furrow out there before us. They had done the, the groundwork and we continued where they left off, and Vegas was, oh, it was fantastic. It was really, I had never intended to make it my permanent home now, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I did it five years. We used to come home during the summer and do tours of Ireland and uh, Scotland and England, but uh, I had never really intended it to be my permanent home. Yeah, you met, I understand you met Elvis, the famous Elvis Presley, you met him. That's right, yeah, Elvis came into the show one night and uh, Brendan used to do an imitation of Elvis Presley. Well, a selection, a tribute, you would say, to Elvis Presley. And he was down on his knees singing One Night With You. And the next thing, this guy walked up to the front of the stage, it was a low stage, and he was in a cloak and I had, it's sort of like a Sandyman port 
type outfit and a cane and he tapped Brendan on the shoulder and Brendan looked up and it was Elvis Presley and Presley turned and was gone like a rocket and when Brendan said that was Elvis Presley everybody laughed they thought it was part of the act they didn't believe it was Elvis Presley so then Elvis sent word he was all in Caesar's Palace and he invited us all up to the show we went to the show and then we went backstage into his dressing room and it was wonderful because um, he's um, it, it, at that time he was as fit as a fiddle and his dressing room was done out like a gymnasium. He had rowing machines, he had weights, he had bicycles, all sorts of, all sorts of things and, uh, and uh, he's, uh, it, it, it was wonderful to see it at the time. And um, he was very nice to us. He was much taller than I thought that he looked. And uh, it, it was a great achievement. At that time, of course, there were no mobile phones course, for photographs yeah. and yeah. selfies. That was the yeah. one regret. We didn't get a photograph taken with him. Yeah. And uh, Brendan subsequently had a photograph taken with him. Uh, uh, he went yeah. up to Caesar's Palace and other night and yeah, I've seen that photograph, it's a great photograph with yeah. Brendan and with Elvis. There's another story, Paddy, in Las Vegas about a certain Roy Rogers. What's that? That's an interesting one, I say. Oh, yeah, Roy Rogers, the famous cowboy singer and cowboy. And I used to go to see Roger, Roy Rogers at the movies in Casablanca. And he started coming into our show. He was filming a modern day cowboy thing. He was in a pickup truck instead of on a horse. And Trigger was in a museum at that stage, stuffed. <laughs> and uh, so I, I got to be uh, Roy's favourite person and every night he'd be, wait, he'd be waiting for me when I come out at the stage door. There was a bar there and we'd talk. And uh, for a guy who was one of the wealthiest men in California at the time, he was a very lonesome guy. He was on his own there yeah. when he was in yeah. Vegas. But I used to be telling him about trying to scrape up the fourpence to go and see him in the movies in Casablanca. And uh, I said to him, he said, oh, I was in Ireland. And I said, and what is your uh, memory of Ireland? He said, bicycles. <laughs> he said he came on the train from <laughs> Belfast to Dublin when he got off the train, hundreds and hundreds of bicycles <laughs> on the platform. And I, I suppose it was at the stage where you could leave your bicycle at that time and it'd be there when you come back in the evening, you know. But um, so Kevin Marn, Lord of Mersenham, came out to Vegas to cover some shows and Helen invited him to our place for something to eat. And... Um, the phone rang, and Kevin was expecting a call from Ireland as well. But the phone rang, and I said to Helen, if that's Roy Rogers, tell him I'm not here. <laughs> and of course, that gathered legs. Totally I was it. supposed to have said worse things than that, you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, I, I became very friendly with Roy, but much to Helen's displeasure, because I was hanging out with Roy very late at night. <laughs> Travelling with Expressway and your free travel pass is made easier with a reserved seat. When booking journeys at expressway.ie, make sure to select seat-only reservation free travel scheme and pay just two euro per trip to guarantee your seat. Bookings can also be made from ticket machines in stations and priority boarding will be given to those who book in advance. Travel without a booking is still more than welcome, if you prefer, provided we have space on board. Take it easy with your free travel pass and expressway.ie. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. 
To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. Well, much to the delight of Helen, you came home from Vegas in 1974 and you mentioned in your autobiography, The King of the Swingers, which I've read and it's a great read, that one of the reasons you came home was an incident at school with your son Pat and drugged sweets. What's that all about, Paddy? Yeah, well, in fairness, like I said earlier on, we had never intended Vegas to be our permanent home. I was just doing it for a while. I always knew that. But Pierce had started going to school there, as I'd had the children of all the people that were there, all the guys in the band. And uh, Helen and the wives were doing the school run and trying to have some semblance of normality, like at home. And um, then they started, guys at the school gates started giving the kids sweets. And uh, we didn't realise that they were drunk. If we'd known they were giving them sweets, we would have been suspicious straight away. And then we heard that the sweets then suddenly were 50 pence. And then suddenly the sweets were a dollar. And they were hooking the kids on the sweets five years of age trying to hook them on the sweets yeah so we were at home we were living in Taney Crescent at the time in Dublin and we were sitting one day after having a cup of tea and I said to Helen you know I don't think we'll go back and Helen blessed herself <laughs> and I said my god I didn't think it was that bad and she said um, well I knew it was your work and I knew that we would be there and all that but uh, she missed the seasons. Yeah. She missed the, she, no daffodils, no things like that. A lot of people thought yeah. she was mad. Yeah. But they, she, she missed all that sort of thing, yeah. you know. Yeah. You did come home to very little work. But Tony Lockman heard your home and suggested you form the Paddy Cole Superstars and you travelled up and down the country to great success. Who's in that band, Paddy? Well, it's funny you should ask that, George, because when I decided to stay at home, some of the members of the Big Eight decided that they would stay at home as well. And we had the nucleus of the Big Eight. Twink had left the band before that, a while before that. So she was available and Tony Lockman went and signed her up. And uh, Jimmy Conway, uh, Mickey O'Neill, the drummer, uh, Michael Keane, they all joined the band with me. So there were five of us actually from the Big Eight. Dave Cody stayed in Vegas, he liked it in Vegas, but it was the nucleus of the Big Eight. And that band, as you said, was launched by Tony Lockman and became, it was mostly aimed at the north of Ireland at the time and was hugely successful. We were packing venues all over the north. And then unfortunately, the Miami show band murders happened and that put a stop to bands going back up the north and including ourselves and we went didn't mean anything down south and I eventually had a meeting with the boys in the band and Twink and said we either fold the band or we go back up north and we all decided to go back up north so we were the first band to go back up north after the Miami show band murders and we were welcomed with open arms by all sides by all the community in the north Protestant and Catholic came along and were delighted to see the entertainment business 
opening up again and the bands in the north all started playing again and then the bands in the south started going up as well. So the whole thing yeah. reopened which was great. Well, for the past few years Paddy you've been involved in many show band tribute shows around the country with the show band show and stars in the sun. You're also involved with uh, Calestra Travel and Sean Skiing with his entertainment trips to Spain and around the world, particularly a memorable trip to New Orleans. I'm sure that was one of your most favourite trips. Yeah, I had a big uh, graph for New Orleans because uh, I'd been playing uh, Dixieland jazz from when I was very young. And uh, I finished up doing about seven or eight trips to New Orleans and playing with some of the musicians that I admired and some of the people that I had collected records of. And it was a great thrill to get sitting in with them. But those trips abroad uh, with Sean Skeen and Stars in the Sun and all those, they were wonderful because we, we did a bit of entertainment at night and all the entertainers that were on the trips. And then we played golf during the day and we uh, uh, we made a holiday of it, you know, and Helen always came with me on all those trips and everybody else brought their partners along with them as well. So they get the wonderful trips. I have very happy memories and met loads of people that I still meet today who would say, we used to go on those trips and we loved them and we loved those trips. You also talking about golf, Pandy. You also play a bit of golf. You're a member in the castle here in Dublin, and you're also a member of the world famous Le Hinch in County Clare. That's right. Uh, I remember I joined the castle when I came back to Dublin. Foolishly, I thought you could just walk into a golf club, and then I realised that you had to be seconded and proposed and everything. And uh, but anyway, I was delighted to get into the castle. Great friends there, and then Helen's first cousin, Michael Henchy, He was president of Le Hinch Golf Club. And we had a house down there. Helen's father and mother all came from County Clare. And she'd been going to La Hinch from she was a child. And when we came back from Vegas on holidays those years, we always went to La Hinch and took a house in La Hinch. And uh, then eventually we bought a house in La Hinch. And uh, Michael Henchy said, sometime you might want to play golf here. And now's the time to join when, uh, when I can propose you and get you in. And at that time, I hadn't much interest in golf, being honest, but I joined anyway. And now I'm delighted because of great friends down at the Hinch, and I spend most of the summers down there now, and sometimes a lot of the winter as well. Great, great. During the awful pandemic, Paddy, I was delighted to put a show together called The Showband Memories with the help of the Department of Arts and Culture and supported by Specsavers. It was in the Tommy Lady Theatre. You enjoyed that, Paddy? Oh, it was great, George, and thanks for having me on that. It was wonderful. And, uh, Red Hurley was on it, and Sean O'Dowd, and Marion Fawcett, and yourself doing MC, and doing a couple of numbers as well, I might add. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was wonderful, and a great band. Eugene McCarthy had a band and plenty of brass in it and all that. He's a great MD for shows like that. And it was lovely to get out in front of an audience again, and they were very receptive, the people that were there. They were really receptive and really enjoyed the show. Well, nowadays, Paddy, you're busy presenting your own radio programme on Sunshine Radio 106.8 every Sunday morning from 9 to 11. I'm sure that's very enjoyable. Yes, I started doing that. You wouldn't believe it. I'm doing that now for about 15 years. And I started doing that and they said, do it for a few months and see if you enjoy doing it. And I'm still there. I love doing it. And now I meet people all over the place. Nobody says anything about, oh, we remember you playing in the band, we remember you playing. They all go, oh, we love your programme on a Sunday morning. I mean, listen, it's during the pandemic that you mentioned, George, that was my lifesaver. 
I was preparing the show during the week, I was recording it then on the Sunday, and it was just a lifesaver for me. It's wonderful. I, I really love it. And Joe Harrington produces the show, has been doing that for a long time, and Joe's a great guy. He works with me hand and fist together all the time. Great. I suppose one of the highlights of your career, obviously probably one of the highlights is meeting Helen and your grandchildren that, 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 that you, you dote upon. Was it Vincent Brown or Oliver Barry who said you stole the best looking woman in Limerick from under their nose? Oh, that was Brown. Brown. A yeah. bad loser. <laughs> a bad loser Brown was. Take your baiting, I used to say to him. Take your baiting. Yeah, <laughs> Helen grew up quite cl close to where Vincent Brown grew up and he used to always say, it's like me. Oh, how did she go for an ugly-looking fellow like you when I was about? All this sort of stuff, you know. But uh, our Brown is a good character. But, yeah, Helen, we still go down to County Limerick, and Helen was from Drumcolloher. And uh, every Christmas we play uh, the Percy French song, There's Only One Street in Drumcolloher. <laughs> it is raised, we raised the roof at home there. Well, you've a few great highlights, Paddy, in, in, in your career and in your life. There's a mural in Casa Blaney. What's that all about? Yeah, it was, it was a great honour now, like, I mean, and during my career, like, as we, we said, like, the Sunday night, the London Palladium, I got the Hall of Fame Award many years ago, and Michael Flatley presented that. That was televised, and it, that was, they, they were all great achievements. Even going to Vegas for the first time was wonderful, and performing on the strip. And uh, then it, uh, a girl called Anne-Marie McHugh got on to me from Castle she was part of the committee the rejuvenation of Castleblaney committee and that they wanted to now there's a wall of fame in Castleblaney and I'm on that already about a two foot by two foot photograph I thought it was something similar somewhere else and then when I went down and she showed me this two-story building and she said we're going to put that's going to be you on the side of that full building and then they had a uh, out, they put word out for different artists to do it and the guy that did it he had done murals like that in France and England and all over the place and uh, so he did it and did a lovely job on it and the, the day that it was unveiled was a wonderful day as well my family came down the grandchildren loved that sort of thing you know and I often think the sad thing about it it's right across the road from where I grew up and my father and mother and my eldest sister Sadie Lord of Mercy and them they would have been so proud to see that uh, mural up right across the road, two-storey building. That used to be the old customs post where they used to catch the smugglers <laughs> and put them in at night. And we could hear the lorry loads of pigs squealing and we knew there was another smuggler caught. And that's where I am now. <laughs> you also probably had the great honour to be asked to play at the funeral of your friend Albert Reynolds. Yeah, that's right. I was delighted a bit to be around to do that. Albert was a great friend to everyone in show business. Like, I mean, he finished up at six or eight ballrooms, gave a lot of employment, and uh, he was a good guy. And I was glad to be asked to play at that funeral. Um, it was a nice occasion and was well done by RTE. And again, Eamon Monaghan, that was in the capital, he played piano that day when I did it as well. So, yeah, I was delighted with that. Great, great. Before we started our, our chat this morning, Paddy, you, you mentioned you had another meeting, and it's about an anthem for Monaghan, a song for Monaghan. What's that about? Yeah, that's uh, a girl called Elizabeth McGuinness came up with this idea last year during the pandemic as well. Monaghan has no anthem, it has no song. Like, I've played at gigs all over the world for Monaghan associations and everything. We haven't got a song. Other counties have their songs. And uh, so she's decided now, and she's got a sponsor, and songwriters from all over the world 
uh, are eligible now to put their song in for this, an anthem from Monaghan. And it's a very nice prize. There's 10,000 euro for the winner, the person that writes the song that wins it. Next April, there'll be a song contest in Monaghan. And uh, that's when they will decide. They'll probably whittle it down to six or eight of the finalists. And then they'll decide that night uh, who the winner is. And it'll be a big occasion. And uh, I'm looking forward to it now. Right. They asked me to be the patron. So I don't have to uh, judge. I'm not one of the judges or anything like that. I'm just a patron. And I speak up now and again. And I do the ads for them and things like that, you know. So... <laughs> Something like that. How do people enter, Paddy? How do they? How how is it? Uh, yeah, that will all be online. Online, and, right? Uh, that will be well advertised and done. A good question, um, and there will be well. Everybody will be well notified about how to enter for it. Great, great. Well, Paddy, just before we finish, there's talk of a little theatre tour in Dublin next year on a definite RTE show called Paddy Cole Goes Back to the Ballroom of Romance. Is that the ballroom in Leitrim? That's right, uh, the rainbow. That was the original ballroom of romance in Glenfarn. And uh, the idea for the show is that we go around the country to the different ballrooms and meet people and artists that used to play in them and people that used to dance in them. And we did talk about their favourite stories about what happened in that particular area. And then subsequently, it all culminates in the, in the final and the big night maybe even two nights dancing at the Rainbow Ballroom in Glenfarn. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Paddy, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you as always. And we look forward to listening to you, indeed seeing you in 2022. Maybe you'll come back and talk to us again someday soon. I'd love to, I'd love to. And uh, one of my favourite magazines to buy is the Senior Times. I enjoy it. I mean that very sincerely. And it's... Uh, it's just one of those things that I can associate with and people of my age and vintage. But it's a good magazine and uh, well written and I love getting it. So I'm delighted to be doing this in conjunction with the Senior Times. Yeah.